Hello, friends, and welcome to this edition of the TCC Conversations podcast, a part of Trevecca Community Church, where we sit down with friends and members of our church family to talk about this past week's sermon. My name is Pastor Jeremy, and I'm the University and Community Engagement Pastor here at TCC. And joining me in our conversation today are Pastor Jordan Guthrie, our worship pastor here at TCC, and Austin Heller, a member of TCC, part of our worship leading team. And as I would describe him, a creator of music by day, a purveyor of philosophy by night. And I'm excited for our conversation today. Thank you both for joining this TCC conversation this week. How are you doing, Pastor Jordan? Oh man, I'm doing great. Um, just hanging out, still in quarantine, uh, drinking sweet tea. I've, not everyone on the podcast can see it, but you guys can see it. I've got a kind of I've got a bag of goldfish here in case I need work snacks. Um, I'm all set, man. I'm good. Glad to be here. So you've got your goldfish, Austin. You've got your chili on simmer in the mm-hmm. kitchen. I feel, really I feel like I'm uh, not meeting the, the the benchmark level of good food. All I've got is a glass of water next to me right now. <laughs> hey, water's healthy. It is true. And, you know, the theme of this series is starting over new year, new me. Um, For for Ritu and I and some of our family, we made New Year's resolutions going from 2019 into 2020. And our theme was hashtag our year did not work out. So we are not hashtagging this year at all. We're just saying like, hey, let's do the best that we can. Uh, (laughs) But in our series uh, starting over. Uh, this week, we had a message from the Dr. Timothy R. Gaines. Uh, Pastor Tim brought us a message out of Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 11 through 20, and in this series entitled Starting Over. And so that's going to be our conversation between the three of us today. For those of you listening, I'd invite you to continue the conversation, dive in and wrestle with this passage with friends, with family. You can use our weekly discussion guide, which you can find at our website at Trebecca.church to continue the discussion as we journey through this year, through this series with the word of God. So to launch into our conversation today, I'll just start with this question, uh, whichever one of the two of you wants to, to kick us off. And the question is this, what stood out to you from this week's sermon by Pastor Tim? I can start. Um... The first thing is like, I loved the clip you did at the very beginning, um, which I have to admit, I've never seen Hook, which I think is what it's from. Uh, yeah. <laughs> everyone can't see, Jordan just freaked out a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, it was such a good um, picture of like looking about the question of identity of someone that looks at someone else and is like, wait, this isn't the person, this can't be that person. And even with Peter Pan, I think he's kind of like lost a little bit of his own identity. Is that kind of true in the movie? It's what it seemed like from that. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of made me think as we were getting ready for this is like, what are our barometers for knowing where our identity's at? Of like how we can kind of measure it. It's like when we say, I know we're going to talk a lot about identity and what is our identity in Christ. And uh, it made me think of like, what are the barometers? Is it like when we're reading a scripture, it's like something doesn't quite feel right. Is that a barometer to kind of see where is our identity focused? Um it was just kind of making me as I go through the day be like, what are the different ways I can tell where my identity is oriented, if that makes sense? Yeah, that's a, that's a great first thought. Yeah. Yeah. That's much better than my first thought. <laughs> um, oh. First of all, I own Hook 
And next time we need to have a movie night, however we need to do it, or I can just give you my YouTube login uh, <laughs> because I, I bought it on YouTube. I had to edit the clip for the service and I was just so excited that I went home or went home. I stayed home that day and <laughs> it was my dad's birthday and we watched, we watched Hook that night. It is so good. And honestly, this whole podcast could be about Hook. I could talk about it for three hours if you want. Don't ruin anything. I won't, I won't ruin anything. <laughs> Um, but no, uh, there were a couple of takeaways from, from the sermon yesterday. Um, I too, of course, love the fact that we used hook, uh, that, that clip was just so meaningful, especially to me because I had gone and watched the movie again this week, but this, uh, kind of related to what you said, Oss, about, um, how we're orienting our identity. Like what, what are those, what are those things that, um, measure that help us measure, um, who we are and who we need to be. Uh, th this is uh, just a quote uh, that I went back and wrote down from, from Tim's message. If the way of Jesus seems so strange to us that we can't find our home in it, maybe we've made our home in another city and maybe it's time for us to come home. And of course, he's talking about Peter Pan and how he had been away from Neverland for so long. He had been away for so long that he had forgotten everything. He had forgotten uh, how he was supposed to behave. He had forgotten what was important to him and those closest to him. And um, just, I, I'm sure everybody can relate to that story in some way. Um, but that, that just really challenged me. Uh, there, there's a, another, another quote uh, from from Tim's message, it says, the opportunity we have to rebuild is to rebuild a church that is so faithful to the Lord that those who return remember who they really are. So I think this, um, this season that we find ourselves in, in like Treveca Community Church, but also in the life of uh, the Church Universal, as we rebuild and try and figure out um, what we look, feel, sound, uh, and think like after COVID-19 uh, isn't such a high priority. Um, we have such an opportunity to reorient ourselves and our organizations and our mission around something uh, that isn't um, jaded and um, disoriented by the things that we've let it be disoriented by. Uh, and that's really just, that's stuck with me um, since actually since Thursday, since I edited the sermon video and, and I had listened to it. And since then, it's just really stuck with me. It's a great, great idea. Great thought. That's great. Yeah. I, the, the mental image that comes into my mind is both of you were, were sharing there is kind of like a mirror that depending on how authentic, uh, how clear the mirror is, will impact how we see ourselves. And that in so many ways, those that we surround ourselves with the community, the relationships that we surround ourselves with can either positively or negatively impact our image, our identity, and how important that is to, as the church, that we, and it's part of the, the beauty of the church is that we can come together. And, and you know, this is each of you, those of you who are listening know this as well, like the, the, the most impactful relationships you have, whether that be friends or family, a significant other you know, a childhood best friend, are those that are willing to hold up a mirror and not only just reflect the image that we would like to see, but are willing to, to show an authentic image, to, 
to call out the best of us and not the best of us in terms of what we can grid out or as Pastor Tim mentioned, you know, the identity we can construct, but the who are we as the daughters and sons of God? Where are we falling short of that? Where have we forgotten our identity in that? And to call us into something better. And that's, I think, part of the, the importance of church family. It's the importance of journeying together, whether that be in person during the season, being over Zoom and over FaceTime and socially distanced meetups, that that community together helps us move forward and become more Christ-like. I, one of my mentors in grad school put it this way. He said, you can get to hell all by yourself, but we get to heaven together. Now, obviously our salvation is you know, individually uh, come about by us surrendering our lives to Jesus Christ, but we, be, we journey together. It's the importance of the church family, of the, the church body that we journey together and draw more and more like Christ as we're drawn into his presence. And so that, that mere analogy coming back to that is kind of what I, is the the mental image that came into mind as you guys were, were talking the importance of how we construct or how we are allowing our identity to be constructed. Do you guys have other thoughts related to identity? I think Austin, you had a few that you had mentioned. Yeah, it you actually almost went another way because I had something off what you were going to say, but I'll, I'll say what I was going to what I had a plan on saying. Um, yeah. yeah, when I was first thinking of this, I, my first thought was like, okay, what does it mean to have identity in Christ? Um, because it's kind of a hard thing to nail down. And I have started over, kind of starting Christmas break, started going back and reading some like old philosophy of like Plato and Aristotle and just nerding out. And it's been crazy how it's made me read scripture differently of like the apostle Paul would have been schooled in these things. So you kind of understand his writing on a different level. And um, as I was thinking about identity, I was thinking, it's going to seem like a sidetrack, but I promise it connects. Um, Aristotle talks about like, what is the ultimate good? And he goes in this long thing of like the, he says the ultimate good or kind of is the thing that can be used in and of itself. And kind of what he means is like, if someone wants wealth, they don't want wealth because of wealth. They want wealth to get something else, right? You get it because you want respect, you want honor, you want happiness. So he goes down this rabbit hole until eventually he's like, okay, I think happiness is what we're all really wanting. Cause the only thing that you do in and of itself is happiness. As in, if you're trying to be happy, you're not doing it to get honored. You're usually just doing it to find satisfaction, fulfillment. And when I say happiness also mean satisfaction, fulfillment, it's kind of what he would mean when he says happy more than just, you know, I'm in a good mood. It was something that was more lasting. Yeah. Well, the apostle Paul would have come around being schooled in this. And he kind of says a lot of language about Christ and Christ alone. And I think what he was trying to do is taking this Aristotle's idea of like, what is the ultimate good? And he's like, it's not happiness, it's Christ. And what he's saying with that is Christ is the one thing as Christians that we should be finding as the means in and of itself or in and of himself, I guess would be how you'd say it. Um, as far as Christ is where we're finding our hope, our satisfaction, it's not happiness. Christ brings happiness, but it's in Christ and Christ alone. And that made me think of this next thought, which is when you think of happiness or you think of something more concrete, maybe is the better way. It's really easy to do a more 12 step kind of thing of this is how we live. But when we say, our focus is on Christ. Our identity is on Christ. It's kind of hard to nail down. Um, and one of the things I know we're going to talk about is like, and the reason why I say that is because when we think of that, we're thinking of a person. We're thinking of the story we heard. So it's like, well, what does Christ want us to do versus what is the thing we do right now versus on all these 
concepts. Does that kind of make sense what I'm trying to say? <laughs> I don't know if that fits at all, but as I was thinking of, of identity, it just kind of made me think of like, what is the ultimate good? What is our purpose, our aim? What are we oriented to? Um, and I was thinking one of my favorite quotes is from Augustine that says, my heart is restless until, or every heart is restless until it'll find its rest in you. And I was like, in Christ is where we find our rest. And as I was thinking of the barometer idea, it was kind of like, hmm, I wonder if these times when I'm unrestful, unsatisfied, have this burning in me is actually kind of this barometer showing me that maybe my identity is not being found in Christ in this moment. Maybe it's kind of starting to drift away and it's a way I can kind of lean into to help orient myself. Um, it was one of the things that kind of hit me as I was thinking of identity and yeah, I think, I hope that makes sense too, you know. It does. That's really good. And I'll allow Pastor Jordan to respond. <laughs> it makes a little bit too much sense. <laughs> Um, it, it resonates a little too deeply here in Tennessee <laughs> there. Um, but no, man, I think you're, I think you're exactly right. I, I won't speak for anybody else, but I know, and, um, for myself, even before, um, you know, about three years ago, I just had the darkest and deepest, um, trouble in my life, um, it was just, it was so, it was so hard. Everything was hard. And um, there was a relationship that ended um, and it became very clear that my identity uh, was found not in Christ, but in something else mm. in, 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 in a way that I related to somebody and in the relationships that were associated with that relationship uh, in the things that we would do together. Uh, and then because I'm so nostalgic, uh, all of the places we had been to eat or the things we got to do um, or the things we got to see, all, all of those things. And it was all um, tainted. And it was so difficult because my foundation um, wasn't built upon anything other than who I was to this person. So um, honestly, man, I, like, I think you're spot on because that's been part of my own journey these last three years is, is building a foundation upon, uh, on Christ, uh, and on Christ crucified. Um, and like, yes, we absolutely have the hope of resurrection. Uh, and I believe in that. And we, we, we celebrate that. Uh, but sometimes we, be, because we're, we're chasing this happiness or satisfaction, whatever our desires are leading us to, uh, oftentimes we kind of forget to lean into Christ crucified as well. Uh, because that means it costs us something. Um, and that's, that's, that's how it was for me, man. That's, that's how it still is for me. I, when you guys got on the zoom call, I had a Tampa Bay Buccaneers thing in the background, bragging, being all, uh, this is a crazy word, but braggadocious about it. Um, just so happy with their victory this weekend. Um, as we're talking, um, my notifications are going off because I'm getting videos of my nieces playing in the snow and all of these relationships and things that vie for my attention and my affection um, and for me to build my foundation on them. While I love being uh, an uncle, while, while I love being a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan some years. Uh, <laughs> only year. This is the only year. This is the only year. <laughs> Not since 2002. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But while I love being associated with all these things and all these people, um, it's this journey of uh, having Christ crucified 
and resurrected, but first Christ, Christ crucified as the foundation for it all uh, has been uh, difficult, but so fulfilling. That's why in a season where there's a global pandemic and an election year and our church shuts down and then we open up and then we shut down again, and then you try and make relationships work and uh, you say goodbye to some people and all these things throughout that, if the foundation is anchored in Christ and Christ alone, it's bearable. It's not easy, but it's bearable. So I think, I think you're right, man. Yeah, that's, that's really good for, for those of you listening. And let me define the theological term that Pastor Jordan threw out there. Braggadocious it is a adjective that means boastful or arrogant. Uh, example sentence, it sounds braggadocious, but I don't think I have ever dropped a pass in a game. A mid 19th century term. <laughs> <laughs> but I think uh, a few few tangents that, that I'll build on here uh, in terms of our identity and like, who are we? I think you said it, Jordan, uh, who, who or what are we chasing? Because what we are chasing, take out the metaphor here to, to another step, what we are chasing is what we will catch. Kind of like when we're driving, whatever you're looking at is where you'll drive whoever we orient ourselves to back to the terminology you used Austin, what we always orient ourselves to will be what we are formed into the image of. And so the idea of it being Christ alone and that it be this, there's the term cruciform that it's focused, not just, you know, Christ as a whole, but like singularly on Christ crucified. That that's, you know, one, how we look at scripture, but also how we look at life. Like, how do we live a cruciform life, a life that is shaped by the cross of Christ and the cross that he invites us to pick up in our own lives as well. And, and that identity, what we're chasing after, you know, there are, there are minor things that like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or for Austin and I, the day that we're recording this, his mediocre Alabama team is going Roll to be- <laughs> is going to be competing against my far superior Ohio State Buckeyes. And if we lose, I'll make sure we get the last 15 seconds deleted from this podcast. <laughs> but it, it's a part of my, like as a Buckeye, that's a part of my identity uh, for you as a role, like as a role tighter. What do you call it? An Alabama fan. I just. Alabama fan. Okay, We're not, yeah. We don't have a well-defined mascot. It's like an elephant. Okay. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> it's confusing. <laughs> or a Buccaneer, or a Tennessee Titan. Uh, those are things that can be a part of our identity, but the, the core of our identity foundationally should be on Christ alone. And as you guys were talking, the the song in Christ alone was running through my head. I won't sing it because unlike both of you, God did not gift me with a good singing voice. But it's maybe also a, a good point to remind us that that's part of the beauty and the power of worship and of songs to help not only glorify God, but to help us be reminded of the importance of things like our identity being in Christ alone, that our strength being through Christ alone and the power of the Holy Spirit. Like by singing things like that, we also help form who we are. Uh, they heard it said this way. It's sometimes we talk about like uh, believing our ways into new actions, but often we act our ways into new ways of believing. Mm -hmm. It's, we see this in 
children who had experiences like me of growing up in the church where I was living in the church and the church life before I surrendered my life to Christ. Uh, in some ways, I kind of acted my way into the kingdom uh, because of the way that I was that I was raised. We do that in worship as well. It helps helps us put into words sometimes things that we are figuring out ourselves, including our identity. And I think that's an important part of our journey as Christians is to gather together to worship together. You know, I think back to the the carol sing that we had over the holiday season and just the the beauty of seeing so many parts of our church family, the hilarity of Pastor Sean and Pastor Tim trying to figure out how to stop the live feed, the 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 wonderful family moment of Pastor Jordan blowing out his candle and his mom <laughs> without like without a second's hesitation just immediately relit it. We journey together. <laughs> yeah, but all, all that to say, yeah, the, the our identity, what we base it in is so important because who we understand God to be will form us into the kind of people that we are. Yeah, that's so good. It made me think too of um, one thing I think I've heard Tim kind of talked about this yesterday is like we, I think of like in our culture, we have this expression of like, find yourself. And it's what Tim was kind of talking about, like building up your own identity. That's kind of how we think of it. One of the things I feel like the last two years, I've kind of been learning so much about my faith. And the big thing is, um, what is humanity? Like, what are we in relation to God? And the idea that Jesus didn't come and salvate just to save us from our humanity. He came to restore our humanity as it's truly meant to be. And when I think of identity, I think of this um, being formed not just into like the mold of Christ where everyone looks the same, which is almost kind of what it sounds like sometimes, but it's like more that everyone finds their unique, like authentic identity through Christ that only Christ can bring out. And it's one of the things about like the identity in Christ. I don't feel like we talk about enough is how it's actually this uniqueness that is brought out. Um, but it's like the best part of ourselves that is brought out through it. No, I, I think that that's something that is incredibly important. Austin, I'm glad you brought it up because the whole conversation about being unique is something that I've wrestled with my whole life uh, because I have a twin brother who is always by my side. We were always involved in the same things. Um, and read between the lines. What I'm saying is we always competed for the same things our entire lives. Um, and so this, this whole idea of being unique is just something that, that I've, that I've wrestled with because when our identity is linked to something other than Christ, when our identity is linked to something other than what Christ is calling us to and calling us to become. Um, and that thing is stripped away, whether it be a relationship or a job or a service style or uh, a president or um, uh, a reputation of a sports team, what, whatever it could be, when those things are stripped away, we fight and we thrash or we become paralyzed look at the headlines of the last seven days and see that everywhere. When our identity is chained to something other than the everlasting, um, we will become lost. And uh, not only will people not recognize us, not only will um, we be aimless in some, in some form or fashion, but we won't really know who we are 
um, in our own uniqueness and who Christ is calling us to be. Because I love Parker Guthrie. He can be a tool. Uh, he can he can be a lot of things. He's a great dad. Um, he's the most talented person that I know. Um, but there are some things that that I can do that are not better, but just different than, than him and vice versa. And life is not always easier, but it is more satisfying and is more fulfilling when we're leaning into those um, things that are unique about us that, that are uniquely designed and created um, aspects of our own personality or life or calling um, that Christ is calling us to be and instead of trying to be what we used to be or what we thought we were or what we think that we should be um, instead just leaning directly into what Christ is calling us to be. Mm, I love that. Yeah. I think that's a really important point that the, when we find our identity in Christ as a church family, it doesn't mean that we all look the same, that we're not just this homogeneous unit, that there is still uniqueness in this. I was talking with a friend of mine who serves at a church up in Minnesota and talking about some of the things they've done to address needs in their community throughout this pandemic. And one of the things that he said was, you know, we have a lot of unity in our church, not because everyone believes the exact same things, but, and I'll, and I'll quote him here. He said, despite those differences, we are united in giving our lives to the hospitable mission of God. When we're centered on the same thing, on Christ, when we're moving in the same direction towards his kingdom come on earth, which started with his death, resurrection, and ascension, but that we are invited to be a part of as it inbreaks into the world. Mm -hmm. And we see that when we see healing of relationships, healing of brokenness, uh, addressing the, the injustices in the world that make God weep. That's where we see evidence of this thing called the kingdom of God or elsewhere people call it the new creation where new life is springing forth from something old in our own lives. Yes. But also in the world around us as well. If I could drill down a little bit as we're talking about, you know, what are we anchoring our identity in? Uh, I love all of like the, the deep philosophical theological discussion as any, as much as anybody else, but I know not everyone thinks the same way as I do. So I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts. Like we talk about what we anchor our identity in. So why don't we get real tangible here for a minute in your opinion, thinking about what our conversation has been thus far on identity, our conversation out of the book of Nehemiah. What are practical ways, not like a 12-step thing, but what is, what is something that any one of us could do this week to better anchor our identity in Christ? Or depending on where you are on your journey as a Christ follower, maybe to bring your identity as a follower of Christ to make that a reality for the first time. Um, how, do we, how do we tangibly anchor our identity in Christ this week? Do you guys have any thoughts? Yeah. As you were saying that, the first thing that made me uh, think of was like, what is, like, that's the purpose of liturgy, of worship, is to form us into the identity of Christ. Um, and I don't know if I'll give a super clean answer, but the first thing that made me think of is like, 
scripture prayers like all the prayers of the saints like there's so much and it's all meant to do exactly this form us into the identity of christ um this year one of the things i can't remember where i read this quote and if i say who i think it's from i know i'll be wrong (laughs) but it was we don't um we do not sing in order we do not believe and then sing we sing in order to believe and as a musician and someone that writes songs like that stuck with me of like we need to do these things like sing songs like recite these things that can almost seem dull if we're not careful but when we do it with the right intention it can actually form us into the identity of christ um i love leaning into tradition for that there's also tons of songs and all this stuff being formed um that can really do that i don't know if that makes sense at all i I totally agree with you man um whatever becomes a habit in our lives um truly truly shapes us whether that's something as um regular and normal as getting up and doing devotions first thing in the morning or getting up and i start my day off with a cup of coffee and a book or um, every day before I wake up, I scroll through Instagram. All three of those things are examples of something that you can do first thing in the morning and form you and shape you into, spe- into a specific kind of person. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those, those practices and those specific things that you can do, um, really, it, it, it's incredibly um, numerous in the options that you have. But one thing I would suggest to anybody and to myself uh, is though, and this is a podcast, this is technology. Um, I'm, I'm glad you're listening if you are listening. Um, but put your phone down, put social media down, uh, turn the TV off. And it, it's insane to me how different I feel. Um, uh, even, even just for grad school, I had to read this book on negotiation. Rough. It's a good book. <laughs> Negotiation is rough for me. Um, called Getting to Yes. It's a good book. It's insane to me just how much more my mind was centered on something productive because I had to put my phone down and I couldn't play as much Fortnite because I had to read a book. So when, when my mind and my attention was given to something productive, it shaped me. So that's about negotiation. So imagine what, it, what, what could happen if you're praying instead or if you're reading scripture or um or in, any any of those kinds of things those spiritual practices uh spiritual disciplines um uh there's two in particular that are uh not as regular as they need to be in my own life but they're incredibly meaningful one is silence and true silence we're not talking about let's let's be quiet and have prayer in the service but then there's the piano is playing behind it true silence uh, it is haunting and uncomfortable at first, and it's because it is shaping you. And then uh, the other thing, the other spiritual discipline that's incredibly meaningful and formational for me is slowing. Um, slowing down, uh, even in the most menial tasks. Uh, if you're going to go make, like I, I just had a peanut butter and banana sandwich for lunch a little bit ago. And it, it, this is how it was presented to me too. Um, shout out to George Williamson of Point Loma Nazarene University. You're the man. Um, this is, but he told the story of this, this moment when he went out um, just on, 
to sit out on a cliff one day and he took a loaf of bread, a jar of peanut butter, and he was going to make a sandwich. And he took the bread out of the bag and he looked at it and he's, and he was so thankful for all of the hands that were involved in creating this bread in baking the bread, harvesting the grain in packaging the bread in shipping the bread and thanking the Lord for every life that had touched that piece of bread. And then he takes the knife and he gets the peanut butter, probably creamy, not crunchy peanut butter because come on. Um, and he started to spread the peanut butter onto the bread. And he was thankful for all the hands that had touched that peanut butter. Um, and that slowing down and taking account of all of the ways in which uh, we take life for granted and instead being thankful and grateful, that changes your perspective, man. And that anchors you in something true and real and truly bigger than yourself, not Facebook or not um, Twitter or ESPN or whatever news source you have. There is better life to be lived. There is more centered life to be lived and more gospel centered life to be lived uh, when we slow down and take account truly uh, for what, how, what our life is about um, and what our life needs to be about in those ways. So hmm. silence and slowing, that's what I recommend. And Jordan, something you said that I loved is you mentioned like waking up in the morning, checking Instagram. And one of the things I've realized throughout this year is like liturgy isn't just like Christian stuff. Liturgy is anything that forms us. And it's like, what is, you know, I had a thought, um, I think it was a few weeks ago, but it's like, how is turning on the news and looking at the coronavirus count? Like, how is that forming me? How is it forming anxiety and fear in me? Because it is, it's forming these small things. And it's good to be aware. Like I'm all about people being aware on what's happening in the world, but also we need to first be aware of what it is doing and forming the habits that we have shape us into who we are. Dr. Heller preach, man. That is so good. And that's, that's why too, just to, to uh, be a little bit more tangible as well. That's why every Sunday our church uh, receives communion as a part of worship. That's important. It's a habit. It is formational. That's why we recite the Apostles' Creed, because if you ask most people in our church, they can tell you what we believe, because every Sunday they say, we believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, blah, 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 all of those things, and that's why we pray the Lord's Prayer as well, because liturgy forms us, and liturgy is anything that forms us, even if it's not in a church service. So be aware of your liturgy. Be aware of the structure uh, of your life and the rhythm of your life and how it is affecting you and the world around you and of your worldview. It's incredibly important. That's great. Thanks for bringing that up, dude. dude. That all was really good. It's something that you said, Jordan, that I, that I wrote down, talking about like spiritual disciplines and spiritual practices that it's, you said it's uncomfortable because it's shaping you that very often in the realm of our, our journey with Christ, that it is the way forward is not the easy way. It's not, you know, you go through any of the metaphors that Jesus provided in the, in the new Testament, in the gospels of that. It's, it's the narrow road that it's like, it's not easy. Uh, I think I've heard someone put it this way, that the obstacle is the way that, 
it, just like when you're working out or trying to build a running habit or a biking habit. I got a bike for Christmas. I finally live in a part of the country where it's warm more months than not. And so I want to uh, pick up for the first time since high school, actually cycling more. And there will be a learning curve to it, uh, but it'll be because it's shaping me um, or helping make there less of me to shape um, that it is uh, building uh, into to me that the habits that we have, they may be difficult in our journey with Christ, but they are, they are what are meaningful and can draw us more into the image of Christ. One example that, that I'll share is there's a group of about 10 of us from our college age small group called the community that uh, we meet during the school year on Thursday nights. And uh, there's about 10 of us that are journeying through the whole Bible throughout 2021. So we're on day 11, reading through the story of Jacob and Esau today. It's one of the reading plans on the YouVersion Bible app, which for those of you listening, if you there, you know, there's the reading plans, obviously all the normal stuff that you can do on the Bible app, which is great. One of the things that I discovered in 2020 that we've used multiple times and are using it for this is if you do it as a plan with other people, you, there is a, a page after you read the assigned passages for the day where you can kind of have a group message conversation about what stood out from the passage, questions that you have. It's been a great way to not only have this constructive accountability in reading scripture, but to also together to wrestle with the Bible as we journey through it over the next uh, 11 and a half months, things like that to, to help build up the habits in our own lives. Yeah. Yeah. Do you guys have any other thoughts from the sermon, from this passage in Nehemiah chapter two about our conversation with identity? I would just say, uh, just off of what you said, man, um, I know that we are all tired of screens or, or connection over screens. We're not tired of screens. We're tired of not being together and we're tired of not getting to live our life and and worship the way that we want to or, or do whatever we want. Yeah, I miss going out to eat all the time. I I just miss that. I miss unlimited chips and uh, cream and jalapeno dip is so bad. It's crazy. I miss it. You can't get uh, that through a drive through Oh, I felt that in my soul. <laughs> uh, but take advantage of these tools, even though um, we can't necessarily have a large group of people together right now. Don't let that be an excuse for not engaging in these things. Uh, just like Jeremy was talking about a Bible reading group. Um, they have to do it digitally right now. And that's okay. That doesn't disqualify it. That doesn't invalidate it. Lean into this flexibility and this technology in this time, because it's so important. Our, my, my, my last boss, our last pastor, who's now our district superintendent, Dwight Gunner told me one day, right now, you are becoming the man you are going to be for the rest of your life. What habits are forming you? And I say that <laughs> every year when we get to annual assessments, I'm like, yeah, I didn't really follow through on that one. No, this one worked out well. This one, eh. um, But every decision you're making, everything you are consuming and allowing your mind and your heart and your worldview and your priorities and your uh, allocation of resources and all of those things, 
all of these things are forming you into the person you're going to be for the rest of your life. So with that in mind, maybe it's time to replace some of those things. I'm not advocating for anything specific, but pay attention to the voices that you're allowing to speak into your life because they are affecting every corner of your life. Um, and as you're becoming the person you're going to be, uh, why not let it be founded and centered in uh, the calling that Christ has on your life? To end, uh, Jordan, I know what you were talking about silence earlier. I know we've talked a lot about this. I have been finding so much how powerful that is. Um, and something that isn't talked a ton about in our Christian tradition, um, it's definitely there, but I think it's starting to come out more and more now because we don't have silence. It's the hardest time, I think, maybe in human history to find silence. And that is exactly why it is so powerful um, to sit in silence and just like, you start to all of a sudden understand like, whoa, I've had these anxieties or you almost have anxiety to get out of it. You like want to throw in a podcast, which thanks for listening to podcasts or listen to music or like, I'll just start pacing and thinking of ideas. It's so hard for me just to sit and do nothing in silence. Um, I read Thomas Merton's book about contemplative, contemplative prayer. Let me say, right. And uh, one of the things he kind of talks about is that when we're in silence, we're kind of laid bare before God. It's like, we're almost naked before God. There's almost like a tense to feel shame. So we try to avoid it. But in that silence and just sitting there in the uncomfortableness, we can really start to be formed into something that would have never happened if we just hadn't taken a moment to slow down, stop, and just listen. Who are we becoming? Um, I've heard someone put it this way. Imagine the uh, version of Jeremy Height 10 years from now. What do I want? So I turned 30 this year. I know for each of us uh, on the uh, recording this today in the next uh, few months or within the next year and a half, we each are hitting that wonderful milestone of turning 30. Uh, what do I want 40 year old Jeremy to look like? And what do I need to be doing today to become that person? Not just for the good of myself, but for the good of others. And how, how does that version of Jeremy and how does today's version of Jeremy reflect or fail to reflect Christ likeness to the world? Thank you guys so much for being a part of this conversation. I, I really, really enjoyed this. Any, any parting thoughts before I wrap up our podcast today? Um, I just want to say one last time, roll tide. And uh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> any substantial thoughts? <laughs> uh, no, no. This is great to be here. You guys are awesome. Yeah. And for those of you listening, thanks so much for checking out this edition of the TCC Conversations podcast. If you've missed this or any of the other sermons from our weekly services at Trevecca Community Church, you can check them all out on our separate podcast feed specific for our sermons, which is entitled the TCC Weekly Worship Podcast on any of your favorite podcast platforms. Thank you so much for checking out today's episode. Continue the conversation. Continue to grow more into the image of Christ. And in the theme of this series, may where we need to, may we start over and may we do so to the glory of God. Thank you so much. Make sure to tune in next week for the next episode, next Wednesday of this, the TCC Conversations podcast. Talk to you later. <laughs>